Four weeks ago, I was praying and I was asking God, you know, for February, what would be the theme that he want me to teach? And he put on my heart the word boundaries. And if you look up boundaries in the dictionary, simply define a line that marks the limits of an area or a dividing line. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started boundaries of love. Last week was boundaries of trust. And I apologize if you listen to the message online, like 25 minutes of the message was cut out because the microphone wasn't working. So anyway, got to love sound systems, right? Microphones, when they work right and perfect. But today, I'm super excited about this one. It's boundaries of self. Turn your neighbor and say the boundaries of self. The boundaries of self. Most of us have heard this before, that ourselves were made up of body, soul, mind, spirit, right? Body, soul, mind, spirit. Your body is made up of hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, there are 42 million protein molecules in these lovely bodies that we have. There's 37.2 trillion cells in our bodies. There's 60 trillion feet or 10 billion miles of DNA that are in these wonderful bodies. In our bodies, we have basically one and a half gallons of blood. 60% of our body is water. In our brain, these lovely machines, it produces wonderful chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins that help us feel good. The brain, it controls our thought behavior, our emotions, our memory, our breathing, our heart rate. We have a conscious brain that is responsible for rationalizing, logical thinking. The subconscious mind, it is responsible for involuntary actions. We're built so complex. We are built so complex. I mean, every time we look in the mirror and we, we get ready and we say, you look good, we are built so complex. There's so many amazing different things in these bodies that God has built. But even though we're so complex, why does it seem like we have so many issues sometimes? Even though we're so beautifully and wonderfully made, as the Bible says, why is it we have so many mental, psychological thought struggles. And even though we're so beautiful and wonderfully made, why is this the same that we have so many emotional struggles? And today, more than ever, we know that, that COVID has created a rise in depression and loneliness and anxiety. You know, today we know that there's a war going on. And, and through this war, how much of our anxiety has risen because of what's going on over there? There are so many things that are happening in our world today. And all of that, Causing so many different thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And, and most of us in here, we're past the age of four, correct? No? Remember that through our boundaries of love and trust, most of us know that by the time you're a year and a half, by the time you're four years old, 90% of your personality done, set in concrete, right? By the time you're four, by the time you're a year and a half, the amount of love, trust, and respect and honor that you will learn to give and to receive, you're done at four years old. And so, so much happens in those first four years. Now, the challenge is, the challenge is what happens? What happens what happens in those first four years that are so vital and so crucial? What happens in those first four years? What happens to us? What happens that sets the triggers? I have a scripture this morning that I want to start with. 
And it is Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1. It says, God gave the people all these instructions. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image of anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obeys my, who, those who obey my commands. And in these scriptures, just a couple of things I want to point out. It says that God is a God who rescues from slavery. God is a God who rescues from slavery. Now, most of us, would, do you feel that you're a slave to anybody today? Maybe, maybe not, right? We may not feel that we're a slave to anybody, but honestly, many of us are slaves to ourselves. You may not feel that you're a slave to anyone or anything, but truthfully and honestly, if we were super honest with ourselves, many of us are slaves to ourselves. Because yet though we're so complex, and because we have so much blood, DNA, oxygen, water, all these wonderful things happening inside of us, there still are mental physical, spiritual things that are circling all around. And so as God passes and puts this in Exodus, he says, listen, I'm a jealous God. I'm a God who rescues. And because I'm a God who does so much for you, I'm a God who rescues you from slavery. I love you. I care for you. But if you do not choose me, then things in your life will get passed on. How many of us have heard that, that verse in Exodus where it talks about the sins of parents passed on to their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. If you look up that word in the Hebrew, it means faults, in which one of us doesn't have one fault. Mischief, how many of us have never been mischievous in here, right? Crooked, how many of us drive and we can't drive straight, we drive like this. Trouble and wrong. So what I want to propose to you this morning is maybe it's not just sins that are being passed down. Maybe there's other things that are being passed down. Maybe cycles of bad habits. Maybe cycles of insecurities. Turn to everyone and say insecurities. Such a lovely word. So I mentioned by the time you're four, there's so much that happens in your life, right? 90% of your personality done, set in concrete. And if you do not have a very wonderful, loving childhood, you know what happens? You end up insecure. There are four different insecure attachments that are listed and stated today. Number one is the secure, confident attachment. This is what everyone strives to be. Secondly, anxious, avoidant, disorganized, preoccupied attachment. Dismissal avoidant and fearful avoidant. So if you were to look at the different fears and insecurities people have today, number one, again, secure, confident, which is when a kid receives, by the time they're four, proper love, care, respect, 
honor, needs met at a young age. How many of us remember, I can remember when we first had kids and people said, when you hear your kid cry, you know, don't pick them up because if you pick them up, they're going to become spoiled, right? Do you know that when a kid cries, it's expressing a need. And when that need is not met, you now create an insecurity. There are many people. There's books and doctors out there who, t- who said, don't always pick up your kid if they're crying. You know, put a muzzle on them or her, right? Don't pick them up. Leave them. But if a kid at a very young age when it's crying and it's trying to express something, if that does not get met, it has now created an insecurity inside of this young child. Secure and confident when a kid, a child receives proper love, care, tenderness, respect, honor, all those things. Anxious avoidant. This is when a young kid receives inconsistent love. Inconsistent love. Warm, lots of attention. One minute there's so much love, I just can't take it. The, the water is overflowing. My cup is full. All of those things. But next thing you know, the love grows cold. In the first four years, just think about what a kid is absorbing. In one second, I'm getting so much love. Woo! It's awesome. But in the next minute, I feel nothing at all. And a lot of this is because now, more than ever, mom and dad both work. I'll never forget one time I was talking with this guy named Larry. He used to work with us at Cisco. And we were just talking about the world's problems. I don't even remember, like why we got on the world's problems, but we did. But he says, you know what the number one problem is? Both spouses, the husband and wife, both are working. And, and this was an ungodly man. And so he had no idea, you know, really about God and the Bible. But there was something that he said very powerful. Because as I went through these different insecure attachments, the anxious, avoidant insecurity that many people have, it's created because there's two parents who are not always there. And in one minute, when the parent gets home, there is so much love, tenderness, and care. But when the heart of a young child wants love and it's not there, it now has this insecurity, a anxious, avoidant. And I can't tell you today how many people I hear use the word anxiety. And you know what? That anxiety, it's not just because there's a war going on. Anxiety today, it is not just because of all the things that are happening around the world. The anxiety that many people are feeling and facing today, it's because they got it their first, the first four years of their living. Inconsistent love, warm and cold, gone because of work. Connections, feeling good when you're around, but I'm afraid to lose that connection. There's so many people and adults today who are afraid to lose the connection that they have. They feel abandoned at times. They feel unsafe being alone, feeling not good enough, very clingy. Second insecure attachment is called dismissal avoidant. This is emotional neglect. So in the very first four years of life, kids who are emotionally neglected, not actively, mom and dad, not actively sharing anything with their kids, creating sometimes a trauma and a fear in the hearts of these kids. And these kids grow up never willing to trust, afraid to commit, do not like to be vulnerable, and wanting space. The next one is the fearful avoidant attachment. And this is a kid who who experiences a lot of trauma, maybe a lot of yelling, screaming, and maybe abuse, verbal, physical. And this kid grows up to be emotionally stressed out with so many issues disorganized, again, 
struggling with trust. So why is it this morning that I bring up these different insecurities? Because our world today is battling and struggling with so many different insecurities. It's one of those things where we really don't like to talk about. There's certain things that we will share in our life, but there are other things that we will not share. And some of these insecurities are those things that we will not share our deepest insecurities with people because we don't want anyone to know. We don't want anyone to know exactly what's going on inside of us. So I shared those things this morning for this verse here. Exodus 1, starting in verse 8. And it says, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to people, look, these people of Israel now outnumber us and we are stronger than we are. They're stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities and Ramesses and supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. The more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter forcing them to fix, mix mortar, and make bricks, and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. And so this morning, why did I share the different insecurities? For this one reason. You see, today, and we've seen this over history, how many of us have seen power-hungry, greedy men who want to change the world? How many of us, how far does it go back with men who have done disgusting and women who have done disgusting things because they're power hungry and they're greedy? What do, they, what do they use with their power? What do these people who are greedy, what is it that they use? What is the number one weapon? You know, all of us, if we were on a dark alley and we knew that we were going to get jumped, what's the one weapon that you would choose to fight with? If you knew that you're in this street and here comes, you know, a ton of these guys or ladies and they're buff and they're, and they're strong and they know martial arts and you have to fight them. What's the one weapon that you were going to use to fight off these people? I can tell you the number one weapon that is used today from power hungry, greedy people, it's fear. As I read that story in Exodus, I read that because it highlights one very loud and clear thing. The king of Egypt looks around and he sees how powerful the Israelites are. So what does he seek to do? Out of his fear, he seeks to take control of those he's afraid of. This is the most powerful weapon that is used today. We've seen it the last three years through COVID, through vaccines, through mandates, through not having toilet paper and water and short supplies of the store, the number one thing that is being used today is fear. And see, they can use fear because all of us have some type of insecurities somewhere inside of us. There are certain insecurities, again, that we all have. And because we as people, we grew up with maybe one or two different insecurities, they know what they can use. And you know how they know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, artificial intelligence. You know how they know? Because what you Google, 
What you Google, every time you look at your phone, you are, you are being studied. Every time you touch that phone, every time you Google, you know how many people are Googling, how do I get rid of anxiety? Do you know how many people are Googling, how do I get rid of this fear that I have? Do you know how many people are sitting there and they're Googling? And you know what? Artificial intelligence is gathering the data. And you know where it goes? It goes to powerful people. And you know what they do? They use it against you. And next time you log into your phone, what you Googled yesterday, you know what? When you Google something tomorrow, there's going to be something pop up, an answer to what you were wondering yesterday. And you're thinking, how does my phone know that? That's right, it's a smartphone. It's smart. But it's not smart. There's somebody behind the phone who is studying you. Studying you. You know, we live in a climate today. There is such fear, and there's fear through politics. You know, the last election, when we were, we were in this massive battle between Democrats and Republicans, you know, there was so much fear, and there was so much hate. There was so much division that was caused in the last election. There was so much gross things happening. And it really wasn't just one side. It was both parties. And both parties were out to put fear inside of our hearts so that we voted one way. Politically today, we see that this is the number one weapon that, that happens in politics. Both parties, all parties, what do they use? Fear. TV, you turn on the news. How many of us, we turn on the news, and how many of us, our hearts grip with fear? As we're watching people get bombed and shot and all the horrible things that are happening, how many of us, in one second, it's like, ah, oh, I hope that doesn't happen here. How many of us, we see all these horrible things happening, and so we can see through the news, the news is being used, what, to get through to your fear. We do live in a climate where we are living in the last days. These are the end times. And this is a time where God is trying to speak something very loud, very clear to us through the complexity of our lives, through all the DNA and the blood and the oxygen, everything through the body, mind, soul, and spirit, through the insecurities. You know, many people are looking for a savior. Many people are looking through a savior. Is this vaccine my savior? Will it save me so that I will not die? Many people are looking to doctors. Doctor, will you be my savior? Will you help me so that I don't die from this? Many people are looking through a savior in politics. Many people are looking for a savior in a new job, in a new relationship, in a new religion. Maybe even I'm looking for my savior in a new way to be a Christian. Let me make my own Christian. Let me make my own rules. Let me make my own theology. Many today are changing the rules of life, the rules of the Bible, the rules of everything. Why? Because they, they want it to fit. Now, how many of us, we got dressed this morning, and when you put on your clothes, most of us would prefer, prefer to wear things that fit good, Right? If it doesn't fit good, what do we do? Throw it to the side. Either I need to drop a little or gain a little, and then it'll fit right. If God and church don't fit right today, we just throw it off. If the Bible and what's being spoken doesn't fit just right today, let me just push it to the side. 
the beginning and to the end. There's going to be things that sound good, but there's going to be things in here that do not sound good that maybe God's trying to use to awaken our hearts. This morning, our main scripture is Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you have your Bibles. It says, when Jesus returned, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is this guy saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately that they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on the earth to forgive sins. Jesus said, he turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up and he grabbed his mat and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. You know, one of the things that I love about Jesus, he knew how to throw a party. And Jesus' friends knew how to throw a party. Everybody that Jesus hung around, think about this. Jesus hung around religious people. People who thought they knew it all. People who thought they knew the whole Bible front to back. They knew all the laws. They knew so many laws, they even created more laws because they liked having laws. Jesus, when he was here, he hung out with sinners. There were people who no one wanted to be around. He hung around these types of people. Of course, he had his friends. He had his disciples. When Jesus got together, when he had to get together, he had all these people. All the time. All types, personalities, all types of insecurities, all types of sinners, everything. It was beautiful. And so as he gets together in this story, it says that the healing power was strong within him. There was four men who picked up a man. They carried this man. They got to the party just a little too late. And I, I don't know if you've ever gone to a party and you got there just a little too late. And it was late so that the food was gone. <clears throat> Isn't that horrible? If you've ever gone to a birthday party and you get there, it's all gone. <coughs> the punch, the punch is gone. Man, I don't even get any punch. It's horrible. The carne asada, it's gone. I was talking with my neighbor last night <clears throat> and he goes, uh, what are you doing? What are you eating? And I said, well, I'm not eating much right now. I mean, fruits, veggies, vegan stuff. He goes, man, I'm making carne asada right now. You're not going to have any of my carne asada? I said, I'm not, I'm not, sorry, I'm not. He goes, man, why? I said, just because every year I clean out the system. But I decided this year I need to carry it on longer. You know, food, to, think, to speak about food for a minute, food and our eating habits, it affects way more than just your stomach. Our food and our eating habits, it it affects self-control, self-discipline. It affects so many different parts of life. And if we can't get the eating habits down correctly, 
you know, eating what we eat today, and I'll be honest, food is the most, most, most food places that we eat today. You know, hydrogenated oils, it will destroy your body. Eating french fries, which I love. Who in here does not love french fries? Do you know that eating french fries that most restaurants buy, hydrogenated oil, it takes 120 days. You destroy a sensor in your body every time you eat a french fry cooked in hydrogenated oil. Anything that is hydrogenated, it destroys a sensor in your body. And it takes 120 days to try and repair that sensor. But yet, how many times, it's not that we eat french fries today and then wait three months and we let that sensor repair, right? We continue to eat fried foods with hydrogenated oils. Our bodies are so damaged today because of what we eat. And really, who cares, right? We're all going to go sometime, right? So might as well be happy, right? If you want to be happy with what you eat, be happy with what you eat. These four men did something very extraordinary in this story. They picked up a man. They carried this man. They got to the party late. No problem. As soon as they get to this party, no problem. You know what? Let's carry our friend up to the roof. Let's dig a hole. Let's lower him right in front of Jesus. And so there's five things that I want to point out from these men, what they did here in this story. Number one, these men had a basic knowledge. They had a basic knowledge. Do you know that knowledge is power? But that power, it's only, it only becomes powerful when you do the right thing. See, many of us have the knowledge of many different things. And you know what we do with that knowledge? It's like a book. We just toss it to the side. We know what the Bible says, beginning to end. We know what God expects of us. We know what we should do. We know where we should excel. We know that we should outperform in this area. We have a certain knowledge today because there are so many tools. And yes, these wonderful smartphones, they're wonderful. And Google and all those things, we have learned so many different things. But if you take knowledge that can help you, if you take a piece of information that can help you, and you do nothing with it, it's like taking the Bible, just shoving it to the side. Knowledge is powerful when you do the right thing. These men gained a knowledge. You know what that knowledge was? There's a guy in town. I know a guy. And they said, I know a guy. This man can help our brother. This knowledge, this revelation. They said, ah, we have to do something about it. Number one, they did five things. First thing they did is they used their knowledge to help their friend. Number two, they got a direction and they moved in the direction that they needed to move. Number three, they used their strength because they had to pick the man up. They had to carry him to the house. They had to go up to the roof. They had to dig a hole in the roof. And then they had to lower their friend down. They used their knowledge. They used the direction. They used strength. They were resilient because when they got to the party and they saw that the party was full, they didn't give up. When they got there and they saw that Jesus was busy, God is busy. Ah, don't leave, you know, let's just leave him alone. Ah, this is busy. That person's busy. These men were resilient. They did not give up. No matter what was going on, we're going to find a way to get help for our friend. And lastly, these men were bold and they were full of courage. To go up onto someone's roof, and maybe it was a cousin, maybe it was a second cousin, maybe it was somebody they really didn't like, we don't know. But they went up on somebody's roof, they dug a hole, and they lowered their friend. They used five things, 
Five things, knowledge, direction, strength, resilient, being bold and full of courage. For what? Just to help one, one person. As soon as they do this, Jesus says to the, the man, now did they lower the guy down the roof for his sins to be forgiven? They lowered their paralyzed friend down so that he could be healed, right? But with God, first things are always first. Jesus looks at the man and what is the very first thing? He knows that he wants healing. He knows that he wants to be healed. He's paralyzed. He can't fully move, right? He probably can't go to the bathroom correctly. First things are always first with God. What's the first thing you do? Your sins are forgiven. This is one place where many of us, we get misplaced today. We want to help people. We want to do good for people. But if we are not dealing with this one issue of sin, we are not helping anyone at all. Sin, the Bible says, is what sends you to hell. Sin is a separation between man and God. That's why Jesus came down and died on a cross so that he can be the bridge between, right, man and God. But many of us, many of us, we overlook, we want to just brush past sin in people's life. Because that's hard to talk about. That's hard to talk about. With God, first things are first. If you want your friend healed, deal with sin first. If there's provision you're looking for, maybe you need to deal with sin first. If there's something that you're praying for in yourself and it's not being answered, is there anything in your life that you're neglecting? First things are first with God. Secondly, we see in this story, and it's, a, it's a, the greatest reminder, it's only Jesus you know, spiritually, physically, and mentally, our bodies need healing. Because of what we've done, because of what we've gone through in life, only Jesus can truly help us. Only Jesus can help us. Only Jesus can help our kids. Only Jesus can help our friends. We, some of us in here, <clears throat> some of us, we need healing for our bodies. Some of us in here, we need healing for our minds. Some of us in here, we, have he we need healing for our hearts. When Jesus forgives your sins, when he forgives your sins, there are certain things that are instantly healed. But there are other things that take time. The insecurities that I described to you this morning, there are things that take time. You know that your brain can be repaired? You know that people who have brain damage, people who have mental issues, their brain can be rewired and redone and reconfigured. It's not 21 days to change a habit. It's 63 days to build a new tree in your brain. That's all that you need. For us, for our friends, for people that we know, it's not 21 days. It takes 63 days. And in 63 days, you can rewire your brain. You can change thought patterns. You can change bad habits. But it takes 63 full days to build a new tree in your brain that can grow and flourish. How many of us who know people who have thought patterns that are just not healthy, insecurities that are not healthy? We know that from this story, and we know this from the Bible, there's only one Savior, right? It's only Jesus. Many of us today, we act like a Savior to our friends, to our kids, because we bail them out all the time. Many of us act like a savior to our friends because we bail them out all the time. If we as friends, if we as parents aren't pointing people to the one savior, 
robbing them. Your friendships, your family, it's Jesus. He's the Savior. I'm not the Savior. It's only Jesus. This morning as we wrap up, I have a few things. Um, freedom, number one, must be fought for. And it needs to be fought for in here first. Most of us, we need to recognize the patterns within ourselves and what needs to change. There is a power that is available to you, not to run anymore, but to use that power to help other people. There is a power that is available to you in the Holy Spirit, not to run, but to use it to help people, our family and our friends. The truth, the truth of God's word, the truth that sets people free. Truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let truth loose. It will defend itself. We have to lose the fear today. Because if we don't, if we do not move past our fear, then we've already given up our freedom. If we as Americans, this country that's been built through bloodshed, through wars, through fighting here in the United States of America, if we cannot move past fear, then we've already given up the freedom that men and women have fought and died for. Today I think God's asking us to think globally, but we must live locally. Think globally. There is a world that is in chaos. And so we know that in Ukraine, we know that there is wars. There's people who are dying. There's innocent people. There are probably young girls, young boys. There are babies. There are adults who are being murdered and killed, right? And it's horrible. And all of it, number one, we should pray. We should stop to pray and pray for these people because there is horrible things that are happening around the world. But as you think globally, God wants you to use that to understand the day that we live. We live in a time where we're close to the end. Jesus said, when you see signs and things happening, wars and rumors of wars, when you see viruses, turn your neighbor and say, ooh, virus. When you see pestilences, viruses, when you hear of earthquakes, and yes, in California, we know what earthquakes are. He said, the end is getting close. So we know that it's getting close. Think globally, but live locally. Where God has placed you, he wants you to thrive where he's placed you. Not so that you can just save yourself. Not that you can just save your family, but the community that you live in. Number one, the church community that you live in. To thrive in a church community. To thrive where God places you. To live locally. I want to do my part. How can I help? How can I help this town? How can I help Hemet Sineseno? Not just with giving him needs. It is dealing with the issues that God wants us to deal with. If I don't say something, who will? If I don't say something, who will? If you don't say something, who will? A couple closing verses and then we're going to close and pray. Colossians 3.12. God chose you to be holy people that he loves. And you must clothe yourself, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Now remember, it says God chose you. So point to yourself and say, God chose me. God chose me. I'm number one. I'm the first pick. Woo! I'm God's MVP. God chose me to be holy. He loves me. And because he loves me, I have to clothe myself. Tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Number 13, make an allowance for each other's faults. Now notice, 
The writer didn't say, you need to make sure you give an allowance to your kids. He didn't say that in here. He said, make room for other people's mistakes. Make room. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together. There is, there is such a great evil today. And you know what that evil is trying to do? Destroy love. Because if we talk about love, it's going to point to God. God created love. And so this great evil out there, it is out to destroy what God created. Love is the most beautiful thing in the whole entire world. Love is amazing. Love is amazing. How many of us, when we look into our spouse's eyes and we see them and we see sparkle and we see sunshine, it's so amazing and it's awesome. Love is beautiful. And the enemy is out there trying to destroy this great love. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ, let the peace that comes from Christ, doesn't come from the internet, doesn't come from the vaccine, let the peace that comes from Christ, not politics, not the government, let the peace that comes from Jesus rule in your heart as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. My last verse. 1 John 4, 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love then grows more perfect. When you become saved, does it say that you're instantly perfect? But as you live in him, then you become more like him. The process every day, 24-7, the process of getting close to God, then we become more perfect. We will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face God with confidence because we have lived like Jesus here in this world. Such love, God's love has no fear because perfect love gets rid of fear. Perfect love gets rid of fear. You know, and this was a hard one because... You know, as a parent, <clears throat> I'm not a perfect parent. And I, I would never profess to be a, a perfect parent. You know, and as I look through and as I listen through all these different insecurities, I know the insecurities that I have. But I've also seen now some of my mistakes and what I've done as a parent that have created insecurities in my kids. We can't stop and just say, you know what? It's my parents' fault. This is what they passed on. It's passed on from generation to generation. Cycles of bad habits. Cycles of insecurities. We can't blame anyone. But what we can do is take ownership of right here and now. What you can do right now is take ownership of you. Nobody else. Just you. Take ownership of you. And ask yourself, if I had insecurities, did I pass them on to my kids? And if I pass them on to my kids, what did I create inside of them? Perfect love, God's perfect love, if that's what we focus on, it says his perfect love drives out what? All fear. And so if we're clothing ourselves 24-7 with God's love, it's going to drive out that fear. I lied, one more verse. 2 Timothy 1.6. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
love and self-discipline. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. When you become afraid, it's not natural. When you become afraid, can you say it's human? Absolutely. Is it where, is it where God wants you to dwell? No. God's spirit, there's no fear. It's power. It's love. And it's self-discipline. We need those three things today more than ever. We need self-discipline. I have to tell myself no. You have to tell yourself no. We need to be self-disciplined. We have to rely on the power of God today more than ever. And we cannot let anything, anything stop us from sharing the perfect love of God. Stand with me. We get ready to close in the song. You know, this morning, God has created us in this theme that boundaries God put on my heart. God has created us to live with certain boundaries. To live and thrive within these boundaries. Life. But because of distractions, because of childhood, because of the culture, because of people... Because of friends and because of ourselves and because of our insecurities, you know what many of us have we've done? We crossed the boundary. If God put a line in your life, if God put a circle for you to dwell within that circle, how many of us have stepped out of that boundary? Maybe because we're afraid. And so this morning as we close our eyes and we pray, we get ready to sing the last song and we bail and we get out of here and we run for our lives. We go about our day and we live and breathe and just do whatever it is we're going to do today. No more football, so I know none of us are watching football. But as you leave today, with your eyes closed this morning, I want you to think about insecurities and I want you to think about fears this morning. I want you to think about God's word. And I want you to think about what he's placed you here in this moment. You are amazing. You're awesome and you're special because it's 2022. And in 2022, God needs you. God needs us. If we don't speak up, who will? If we don't fight for freedom, who will? If we remain in fear, then we've already given up our freedom. God needs his sons and his daughters today more than ever. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for a beautiful Sunday. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the Bible, the book of life. God, we thank you for every heart, mind, and souls here and listening. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy which covers us every single day. God, we thank you for all the wonderful and amazing things that you have created inside of us. God, the complexities in DNA and blood and oxygen, carbon monoxide, all the things, God, that you have placed inside these bodies, the complexities, God, and how wonderfully we made. But no matter how wonderfully we made, God, many of us have certain challenges, fears, insecurities, God, that we can't break through. And this morning, I pray that your perfect love, God, I pray this morning that your perfect love, God, that we would take it, not push it to the side anymore but that we would clothe ourselves with your perfect love. Like putting on a robe, like putting on a suit this morning, God, help us to take your perfect love, your undying, 
God, your, your all-consuming, powerful, faithful, unconditional love. God, may we take that and clothe us with every part of your love this morning. God, we pray for power. God, we pray this morning that you would make us powerful people. Not so that we become powerful so within ourselves, but powerful to help other people. God, you've put us here to be powerful. Again, not so that we become more and more powerful, but so that we use power to help our friends. God, help us to be more self-disciplined. Because in 2022, there's a lot of crap out there. And we pray that this morning in 2022, God, that you would help us to make better decisions, better choices in our mind, in our heart, and for our bodies. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.